This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. And here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Welcome to the free version of the Michael Savage podcast, and I'm going to keep it free for all of you. But there are many of you who would love to be able to listen to my show without any ads. I love ads, but many of you want to listen to the podcast free of ads. So we created something for you, a solution. We call it the Savage Premium. For less than the price of one flat, tasteless beer at your local bar, you can receive access to all of my podcasts going back years ad-free for just $3.99. That's at $3.99 a month. You'll get not only my ad-free podcast, but you will also occasionally receive access to material that is exclusive for members only, and I'm going to give you the list in a minute of what you've, what you've missed. You're going to get an occasional monologue from me, maybe a reading from one of my novels, sneak peeks of interviews before anyone else hears them, archive pieces dating back to 1994, many things that come up, you're going to get exclusive access to Michael Savage material. Details can be seen on my website, michaelsavage.com, and if you want to join all you got to do is go to glow.fm and search Savage Premium. That's glow.fm and search Savage Premium. Now, you will always have access to my free weekly podcast. I want to be clear about that. That's my promise to you. But if you want less ads and more Savage, join the Savage Premium Club today and never miss a spoken word of mine. It's glow.fm slash Savage Premium. You can find it on michaelsavage.com. And here's some of the stuff that you have missed so far. Michael Savage reading from his best-selling novel, Countdown to Mecca. My words, my voice. Savage reads from one of his lost journals, Fiji, 1968. Savage's first drive-time show, Hour One. My interview with the Jewish gangster, very popular. I uh, read from my first written, published article, Who Was at the Helm, from 1965. It's heard nowhere but on my premium site. I read passages from my novel, Abuse of Power. Uh, we replayed Fat Al's Tuna. My Savage show from 324.94, the earliest show in the archive, 324.94. My interview with Donald Trump from 110.2011. 110.2011, while Mark Levin was mocking him and Sean Hannity was mocking him uh, and the others were mocking him, I was interviewing Trump. Much more. And remember, subscribers also get ad-free podcasts every week. The cost is less than a beer at a bar, and you get a better buzz with, with the Savage Premium. So go to, go to glow.fm slash Savage Premium for full access to ad-free podcasts and exclusive sound you'll not hear anywhere else. Thank you very much. Welcome to the Savage Nation podcast. Is Russia headed to strategic defeat in Ukraine? Maybe they're winning some battles, but they're losing the war. Even if they take Ukraine, it is being said around the world 
that Putin has already lost, that the Russian people will be pariahs for the rest of this century. Well, that may or may not be true. It depends upon who you're asking and where you're looking and who you believe. I'll tell you how I feel if you think it's worth anything. It's a disaster for the world. The world is on the brink of World War III and you can blame, well, you can blame a lot of people. And what's the point of blaming anybody right now? It's Putin who's the one who has invaded a nation. See, the fact is the United Nations is a worthless institution. They've been unable to stop this disaster. Three and a half million people have been forced to leave Ukraine. 10 million people have been displaced from their homes. Cities have been been reduced to rubble. It's starting to look like Berlin after World War II. And this is right in front of our eyes while people continue to party during spring break. And they've moved on. Most American people have moved on from the war. Believe it or not, they've gotten bored of it. That's the sad truth. Now, you want to look at Zelensky. You want to look at Putin. You want to equate them. You can do whatever you want. The fact is, it's a disaster. The fact is, Russia has already lost the war, even if they take eastern Ukraine, even a portion of it, even if they take it all the way up to the Dnieper River, even if they take Kiev by devastating the city to the Stone Age, even if they take it, they've lost the war. What are they going to do with eastern Ukraine? What will it mean to them? And what will it mean for the future of Russia, I ask myself. Many young people who have been conscripted into the military are unable to fight, don't want to fight. When they're caught, they cry and say they didn't want to fight the war. Did you know that many people in Russia have relatives in Ukraine and vice versa? These countries have been intertwined for so long. Most Ukrainians speak Russian and English. Most modern Russians speak Ukrainian. It's very much like a civil war in America, even though it's not like the civil war in America that was. It would be like a civil war in America should it be fought today. That's a separate story. Brother against brother, cousin against cousin. That's what's going on in many ways. And many Russians are trying to leave the country. Young Russians, the future of Russia, they're leaving as fast as they can get out. If they can get out, they want nothing to do with the nation. So Putin may win the battles in the end and lose the war. Moreover, Russia may be a pariah nation for the rest of the century. Maybe he tried to unify, in his mind, the Christian world to reclaim it from the left-wing crusaders, if you want to put it in gross terms. But I don't think he's going to succeed. If anything, he's only made the liberal viewpoint even stronger. That's the sad truth. I don't even want to spend any time on Zelensky. I, I I have nothing but contempt for Zelensky. Because I believe this all could have been avoided. It could have been avoided. The war could have been avoided. There could have been a negotiated settlement before even a shot was fired. But that's an American sitting in the comfort of his home talking, not a Ukrainian who would rather die than give up a centimeter of his holy grail, his land. That's the difference between us and them. Makes you wonder about a lot of things. How would you act if the Chinese took over America? Aha, now that's the big one. What have we learned from this? Let's jump ahead. What if China invaded the United States? Well, they already have invaded the United States. They own our currency. They own our banking system. They own half of our Congress. But they haven't bombed America. They haven't invaded. They haven't sent an army here. Well, they have sent an army here, an army of undercover agents through the universities, through businesses, 
the other day, uh, Madeleine Albright died. It was glorified some great Madeleine Albright died. Everyone was getting bending over backwards. Madeleine Albright, Madeleine Albright. Madeleine Albright is a war criminal. In fact, I tweeted, why is Fox News making Madeleine Albright into some sort of saintly figure? She was condemned as a war criminal by many nations for overseeing a ruthless bombing of Serbia under Bill Clinton. Do you remember what her and her stooges did? They took the United States Air Force, that is Bill Clinton and Madeleine Albright, and they sent the U.S. Air Force airplanes to NATO. They repainted the markings on the planes to make, make them look like NATO planes. And our Air Force, our pilots, blew up every bridge on the Danube River. Was Serbia the villain? Really? Did you know that Kosovo had been part of Serbia since the 1300s? And it was stolen from the Serbs by Bill Clinton in order to build a pipeline. Oh, that's a long story. Too complicated. I understand that. Saintly Madeleine Albright died the other day during a 60 Minutes interview in 1996 where the correspondent discussed the deaths of 500,000 Iraqi children as a result of sanctions. Madeleine Albright's response was, quote, but the price we think the price is worth it. We have heard that a half a million children have died. I mean, that's more children than died when, when, in, in Hiroshima. And, and, you know, is the price worth it? I think this is a very hard choice, but the price, we think the price is worth it. And that lunatic Madeleine Albright had tea with Kim Jong-il, and he promised not to build nuclear missiles, and she thought it was a gigantic bar mitzvah that she was at. Oh, she enjoyed herself. She said the food was just great. Serbian people, the same people that protected our downed pilots from the Nazis in World War II, were bombed by Madeleine Albright and Bill Clinton. And here's Fox News celebrating Madeleine Albright. Former Secretary of State Madeleine Albright has died. She was the first woman to hold that position. President Clinton named Albright U.S. Ambassador to the U.N. shortly after he was inaugurated in 1993 and nominated her as Secretary of State three years later. Albright served four years in that role, actively promoting the expansion of NATO and military intervention in Kosovo. At the time, she was the highest ranking woman in the history history of U.S. government. In 2012, President Obama awarded her the Medal of Freedom, the country's highest civilian honor. Madeleine Albright had been suffering from cancer. She was 84 years old. Oh, yeah. And by the way, she was a lobbyist for China. Oh, that's what the old lady's been doing all these years, lobbying for China. So let's get back to China. China has already invaded our Congress, invaded our universities, invaded our technology the only thing missing is china bombing us from the air and taking over cities but what's the point what do they need to do that for they're much smarter than russia they did it without dropping a bomb we'll be right back michael savage a host like no other at evernorth health services we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. 
That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. So we look at the news. Look at the news with me today, would you please? As you can see, this is not going to be a linear podcast. Oh, I can call it Russia is headed, or Russia has suffered a strategic defeat, no matter, even if they win the land. I forget what I'm calling the podcast. We know that Russia's war in Ukraine did not go according to plan from the beginning. We all feared and still fear the Ukraine war could turn into World War III. And now we see the disaster on the ground for the Ukrainian people and, of course, the blowback for the Russian people. The Russian people are innocent in all of this, by the way. That's the truth of the matter. Most of them don't want this war, but they have the war whether they want it or not. And the young people, as I said, are fleeing Russia. And anyone who can get out is getting out. They don't want to be there. Headline, USA to expand Russia sanctions except 100,000 Ukraine refugees. Well, I told you I'm all for that. Zelensky, meanwhile, wants World War III. He's never had it so good. I know that's a controversial statement, but unless you know what I'm about to tell you, you know nothing about this situation. Zelensky is a perverse comedian who was very unpopular in Ukraine before the war. Now that the war is raging and his country is half destroyed, he's very popular and he doesn't want the war to stop. He's no Winston Churchill. He's more like Howard Stern playing prime minister. He wants more military aid. More military aid. Every country he goes to, that little bum, he insults. He insults U.S. He insults England. He insults Israel. He insults NATO. Who the hell does he think he is? Zelensky addressed the NATO gathering by video from Kiev for, quote, military assistance without limitations. Out limitations, he said. He wants anti-air, anti-ship weapons. And although he thanked Western nations for support thus far, it wasn't enough. He told NATO to provide Ukraine with 1% of all your planes, 1% of all your tanks. He wants it, wants them for nothing. U.S. Joe Biden, what a disgrace we have for a president. I want me to talk about him for a minute and get off the track? I will in a minute. It's sad. We have a Parkinson's patient with dementia running America. Have you watched Biden walk? If you know anything about Parkinson's, his gait is that of a Parkinson's patient. You know, that Frankenstein-like shuffle. But his brain is gone. So Biden said in a written statement after the NATO meeting, notice a written statement written for him by Jen Psaki probably, we are committed to identifying additional equipment, including air defense systems, to help Ukraine. Billions of dollars of military hardware has already been provided by the United States. Now they're going to send little Zelensky anti-ship weapons to shoot down, uh, to uh, blow up and sink Russian ships. In other words, escalate the war, don't end the war. There is no diplomacy because the weapons manufacturers, the scum of the earth are at it again. These vermin, these bastards who've destroyed the world before are destroying it again. These greedy bastards. Want me to name the companies? Look them up. White House also announced that the U.S. will welcome 100,000 Ukrainian refugees and provide an additional $1 billion in food, medicine, water, and other supplies. Well, we could go into that one, as I'm on record stating on YouTube that we should welcome Ukraine refugees for a couple of reasons. One, 
Most of the refugees are women who are educated. They speak English, Ukrainian, and uh, Russian. And they have skills that we may need, although I'm not sure of that. But the other part about this is they can be sent back to Ukraine because most of them will want to go back to Ukraine once things settle down, God willing, that they do. They want to go back to their home country. Unlike the Central American invaders who have no skills and nothing to offer this nation other than a Democrat vote. They don't speak English, most of them. In fact, most of the refugees, or excuse me, the immigrants, the invaders from Central America are illiterate in Spanish. Let me say that again. They cannot read or write Spanish. They're the lowest strata of their own societies, which is why their country is encouraging them or kicking them out of their own countries. They have no skills. They don't speak their own language of Spanish. And so El Salvador, Nicaragua, Guatemala, they're all pushing them to the stupid Americans in the north who welcome them with open arms because of the Catholic charities and other gangsters in the religion business. So as I say, the Ukrainian refugees are welcome. We should support them, and then when it's over, they should be sent back to Ukraine. Hmm. Well, now we hear Russia will use chemical or nuclear weapons. Grim topic in, of conversation we're reading in Brussels. Brussels, the center of the universe. Yeah, right. We'll see. Now, European nations are rushing to rearm, greatly increasing their military spending, building new weapons. All of the NATO countries, all of the peaceful NATO countries who thought war would never touch them, they say they're going to build up over the next five to ten years. All their uh, defense, we need to do more, we need to invest more. New sense of urgency, said Stoltenberg. Who's Stoltenberg? Stoltenberg is a new name we have to remember. Oh, NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg. Mm. Now he has to rearm NATO now. So there's, in other words, is World War I repeated all over again. German Chancellor Olaf Scholz dismissed calls to boycott Russian energy supplies, saying it would cause significant damage to his country's economy. Well, really, he's actually able to think? Meanwhile, at the same time this is going on, he's facing, facing pressure from his left-wing lunatics in the environmental area to quickly wean Germany off Russian energy. What do they do, burn their grandmother's mahogany furniture during the winter? Run their cars on the gas that comes out of their mouths? Schultz said if we uh, cut it off right now, boycott Russian energy, that is, it would plunge our country and all of Europe into recession. Well, let me tell you what's going to happen. There is going to be a food shortage, boys and girls, who are dancing around the Maypole. 30% of the world's urea comes out of Russia. Urea, what's that? That's uh, what fertilizer is made from. So the spring plantings will not go in. There will be no fall harvest. There'll be massive food shortages next winter, like you cannot believe. There'll be starvation in Africa. There'll be food riots, even in America. But you don't want to think about that. You just want to party in Miami. Ursula von der Leyen, head of the European Union's executive arm, hmm, another radical feminist, said before Biden's visit that she wants to discuss the possibility of securing extra deliveries of liquefied natural gas from the United States for the 27-nation bloc for the next two winters. 
LNG. Oh, my God. Don't tell that to the environmental psychos here in America. The Europeans want our LNG to heat themselves for the next two winters. Don't tell them. Why, why don't they run it off windmills? Or some clean energy. Maybe another battery or two made with slave, child slave labor. The European Union imports 90% of the natural gas used to generate electricity, heat homes, and supply industry, with Russia supplying almost 40% of EU gas and a quarter of its oil. Did you hear that? Russia, Russia supplies the very EU that hates it, 40% of its gas and a quarter of its oil. So the EU is looking at ways to reduce its dependence on Russian gas. How are they going to do that? Jake Sullivan, you ever see Jake Sullivan, the frightened schoolboy? I don't know where this creep came from. He looks like he's terrified, like a terrified mouse. I don't know where this guy came from. A national security advisor says the U.S. is looking for ways to surge LNG supplies to Europe to help, said Biden's national security advisor, the old pathetic Jake Sullivan. So they're all worried about gas next they're going to worry about food now they're worried about a refugee crisis three and a half million refugees fled ukraine in the last four weeks including more than two million to poland i don't know how poland is going to take care of them biden is scheduled to visit poland where the energy and refugee issues are expected to be at the center of talks biden's going to hold talks uh it reminds me of that rumor that went around that when he held talks with the queen of england uh you know what happened? You heard about that one. This is crazy. And waiting in the wings is, is the cackler, who's really Nancy Pelosi. The cackler is Nancy Pelosi's puppet. But I don't want to get ahead of myself. How is Biden going to last three more years, let alone three more weeks? Shuffling onto Air Force One. Not talking, but having notes passed from him, written by others. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. Four new NATO battle groups, which allegedly number between 1,000 to 1,500 troops, are being set up in Hungary, Slovakia, Romania, and Bulgaria. In other words, the arms race is beginning. The arms race. You like that? How's it ha- how is it affecting Biden's negative approval rating in the U.S.? According to the APNORC poll, it's not budged. Did you hear this? Normally, a, a president's ratings go up in a war, which is why the U.S. has pushed for this war why Jen Psaki and the others love the war, because they thought uh, Biden's ratings would go up before the elections. Uh-uh. Negative approval rating for the shuffler has not budged. Why? Because few Americans are confident that Biden can handle a crisis. No kidding. The man is sick. He belongs in a rest home. Biden promised us that he had the experience to navigate a complicated international emergency like the one unfolding in Europe. Well, the fact is the only thing he's done right is show restraint and not giving airplanes to Ukraine. I thought he showed great restraint restraint because they know it'll be World War III. The next thing you do, you'll wind up with a suitcase nuke in New York City. So things are very, very grim right now. Tremendous amount of Russian troops dying. The world is in, in turmoil since Trump is, was pushed out of office by... Uh, Some would say the election was stolen. Certainly it was stolen in many other ways, if not stolen directly at the machines. It was stolen through the media and the big lies about Trump and his family. And so look what we have now. A patient like this is running America. 
Not even a president. It's a patient. You know, I'm not going to go into the whole Trump thing, but the world was a safer place under Trump. Inflation was down. Gas prices were low. There was no international war. And look what we have now under this incompetent shuffler surrounded by these college communists. More concerned with trans swimmers than with transnational issues. That's all they know is trans swimmers. But now they're having to swim in deep waters, not in trans waters. My friends, what's going to happen now? Putin's invasion of Ukraine is now being called his biggest ever mistake. And it will harm Russia for years to come. I said that as, as a, at the beginning. Isolated, vulnerable, pariah people. The Russian people will be seen as pariahs for the rest of the century. He's weak in Russia. I agree with that. I don't think the Russian people back him on this. Nobody knows why he invaded Ukraine. He invaded out of fear that Ukraine would place missiles on the border of Ukraine, which was a rational fear. And all Zelensky, the rotten, rotten comedian, had to do was say, we're not going to join NATO. We're not putting missiles on your border, Mr. Putin. We want peace. And we would not have had this war. So, you know, it's not a one-sided story here. Putin reacted out of paranoia, and look where we are today. Paranoia is a very, very real motivator. NATO's increasing its troop numbers, building up weapons, more arms, more arms, more military, more military. Where is this going to end? Where is it going to end? Everyone's egging on the Ukrainians to stand up to the evil Russia. Stand up? How far do you want them to stand up? How about settling this war? How about working out a peace? How about negotiated settlement? How about some diplomacy from these scumbags in Brussels? These lunatic left-wing maniacs. I have no other words to say on this. It's a disaster, a human disaster. We must have a diplomatic settlement. It's the best option for Putin. It's the best option for that that comedian, it's the best option for the world. Why is it not happening? Why is there no negotiated settlement? Why? Now, by the way, I want to say this, just so you understand this. Russia has repeatedly said it does not target civilian infrastructure, even though much of civilian inf infrastructure is being destroyed. Apartment buildings, schools, hospitals, civilian vehicles, shopping centers, ambulances, have been blown up. So how can you say that they're not targeting it? Well, you could say it's collateral damage. You could say anything you want. I mean, if Putin really wanted to go all out, he would just bomb Ukraine into the Stone Age, uh, as we almost did in Vietnam, by the way. Well, you want to go into that, how many Vietnamese were killed by our bombers, or we're not allowed to ask that question? My friends, where is the diplomacy? Where is the diplomacy? There is none. All we're hearing is more war, more weapons, more troops. And what is Putin doing as we talk? Putin is undeterred. Because you don't understand the history. You think that they're us. You think they give a rat's behind about blowing up cities or civilian casualties. They really don't. To them, it's total war. It's 100% win or lose. It's that simple. They're not us. They're not LBJ. Uh, he's not going to resign in the middle of the night. Because any day now, Russian forces will resume large-scale offensive operations into Kiev until they take it. Of course, he's badly miscalculated. Of course, the troops weren't ready. Of course, there was bad coordination. 
Of course, the Ukrainians are remarkable military, have a remarkable resilience, and they'll fight to the death to overcome the invaders. We understand that. It's a catastrophe for the world, mainly for the Ukrainian people. So what's next? How about a settlement? No, they don't want it. You see, the Western nations don't want a settlement. They want Russia drained. They want Russia to be drained. They're still living in the fantasy that it's the Soviet Union, which it had no longer be. It was no longer the Soviet Union. The lunatics, which we have plenty of here in the United States media, still refer to Russia as the Soviet Union, still think that Putin wanted to reestablish the Soviet Union. That's total neocon bullshit. And they're egging on the war. After all, their news ratings are going up. Look at the ratings of uh, Fox News, CNN. They're through the roof. So the vermin who run the news business are happier than ever. And both sides want more war. Zelensky wants more war. More war. He's celebrating 15,000 Russian troops who were killed. You know, you don't celebrate the death of your enemy. That's the first rule of the Bible. So where is it going to lead? NATO is going to okay a major increase of troops. More weapons are being built. More weapons are being sent to sink Russian ships. Why are they not talking about settling this thing? War and rumors of war. It's good for business. Take a look at defense stocks here in America. Take a look. Hmm? All right, my friends. That's what's going on so far. There's more coming right here on the Michael Savage Podcast. Be here or be nowhere. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. We continue our discussion of the tragedy unfolding in the world with a focus today on Russia's strategic loss. Excuse me. There are several sites, both in the Middle East and in the Baltic states that I go on, that discuss things in a much more detailed manner than I see here in the United States. On one of these sites, I found a posting by a woman named Carol Urbanski. I don't know her, but I'm going to read this to you. But I always credit people if I have their names. Unlike the trolls I get on Twitter or Facebook here in our dumb country, we have literacy in other parts of the world, even in Uzbekistan. So she writes this. Actually, Carol, K-A-R-O-L, could be a man. I don't know. Mr. or Ms. Urbanski writes this about Russia's loss. If you want to understand President Putin's respect for the lives of his own people, just remember that former FSB agent who got assassinated in the UK with polonium for starting to spill the beans about how Putin ordered the FSB to blow up several residential high-rises in the suburbs of Moscow, over 200 civilians dead, and blamed it on Chechen terrorists so that he could start the Second Chechnyan War. A man who lived in one of the buildings spotted ethnically Russian men behaving suspiciously around the building he lived in. So he called the police, who found and disarmed a bomb in the basement. Over 100 Russian civilians died during that false flag operation. If you want a Russian soldier's perspective on how Putin waged war in Chechnya, read The Colors of War by R. Kadeji Babtienko. B-A-B-T-I-E-N-K-O, Colors of War, Baptienko, where you get an inside view of how Russia treats its soldiers. The author was a soldier in both wars and has been living in exile in Ukraine for a few years. If you want 
detailed info about Putin's corruption, I recommend Anna Polikovskaya's Putin's Russia. P-O-L-T, P-O-L-I-T-K-O-V-S-K-A-J-A, apostrophe S, Putin's Russia. She was murdered on Putin's birthday by a fanatic because Putin's propaganda had painted her as a traitor and lover of Chechnyan terrorists. One of the things people say about the war in Ukraine is that apparently Putin has a legitimate fear that if Ukraine joins NATO, that NATO would plant nuclear missiles in Ukraine. Notice this person says a legitimate fear. She says that is obvious BS because other former member states of the USSR, like the Baltic states, have joined NATO 18 years ago, and that hasn't happened. Latvia is about as close to Moscow as Ukraine, and Estonia is in spitting distance of St. Petersburg. Before the invasion of Ukraine, NATO had 1,000 troops stationed in the three Baltic states combined. How is that a threat against Russia? He asks. There is no legitimate fear of NATO invading Russia. That is just age-old Soviet propaganda, fear-mongering, that Putin uses as a pretext to invade sovereign Ukraine. Again, this is this person's opinion. I'll let you decide whether you agree with it or not, and I'll continue to read it because it's very interesting. Furthermore, this person writes, NATO does not exist to destroy Russia, nor does it actively expand to surround Russia. As can be plainly seen right now, Eastern European countries have a legitimate fear of being invaded by Russia and have sought safety as sovereign nations by becoming members of NATO. Finally, this person writes, Russia has more nuclear weapons than the USA. NATO would never risk attacking Russia. NATO members have too much to lose. This is why the situation is so dire, because Putin has less to lose every day. Putin has less to lose every day. Then she says, or he says, Nazis. Of course there are Nazis in Ukraine. Did you hear that? Of course there are Nazis in Ukraine. But the president is Jewish. Well, I'll talk about that in a minute. That's an editorial by me. And then this person writes, tell me of one European country where there are no Nazis. Found this on the page on neo-Nazism on Wikipedia, quote. However, members of far-right groups played a greater role on the pro-Russian side of the conflict than on the Ukrainian side especially at the beginning. Leaders of the Donetsk People's Republic are closely linked to the neo-Nazi party, Russian National Unity, RNU, led by Bar Kajov, which recruits fighters. A member of RNU, Pavel Gubarev, was the first governor of the Donetsk People's Republic. In particular, she writes, RNU is linked to the Russian Orthodox Army, a separatist group in Donbass, and Barkashov is said to have given instructions to its commander, Dmitry Boystyov, according to a published audio recording. Volunteers from several other Russian far-right groups have joined the separatist militias, including members of the Eurasian Youth Union, the Russian Imperial Movement, and the banned Slavic Union and Movement Against Illegal Immigration. This is all from... Uh, a source that I am not sure I can verify. This person is quoting Wikipedia, which is, of course, a fallacious organization to begin with. Much of it is garbage in Wikipedia. It's all left wing. But I'll continue anyway so you see the other side of it, okay? They go on from the Wikipedia article. Other neo-Nazi groups fighting as part of the Donetsk People's Republic include the Zvarashish 
Rusik and Ratibor battalions, which have Slavic swastikas on their badges. I remember reading an article a decade ago claiming that half of the world's neo-Nazis are in Russia. On another page, see, this sounds like the U.S. State Department, by the way. On another page on Wikipedia about Nazi organizations around the world says that one neo-Nazi organization in Russia claims to have 150,000 members around the country. There are reports in Swedish press a few years ago of Swedish Nazis going to military-style combat training camps in Russia organized by Russian Nazis because Nazis are not allowed in the Swedish military. Some of these Nazis have been prosecuted in Sweden for doing that. And then uh, this uh, person says, I can recommend the Lex Friedman podcast, blah, 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 that delves into Russian autocratic history and Putin. Then this person concludes by saying, Ukraine left the USSR because 92% of its population voted to leave. Ukraine left the USSR because 92% of its population, that means of Ukraine, voted to leave the USSR. Ukraine gave up its nuclear arsenal in 1994 in exchange for Russia promising to respect its borders forever. So my friends, this is an inf information dialogue or missive from a Carol Urbanski and largely quoting left-wing sources like uh, Wikipedia. But it's certainly a different viewpoint that you're going, than you're going to get uh, from our sources. It certainly seems to be the viewpoint of our State Department. I'm Michael Savage, and we'll read a little bit more from sources that you normally wouldn't see or get here in the United States of America. There's another short piece that I'll read to you by a Siana Gares, S-I-A-N-A-G-E-A-R-Z. This is an interesting one. It seems to rather, rather factual. And she wrote this. About three days into the military action, when things started going not so well, Russia started bombing Kharkiv, a Russian-speaking city near the border. This is significant because it's not only a large city, it's a city that is traditionally quite Russia-friendly, lacks nationalist forces, and actually managed to stay out of trouble up until now. It's nearly completely destroyed now. What is more, that nation's university has about 300,000 students at any given time from all across Ukraine, thousands from China, Pakistan, African nations, South America. When all these people who have graduated, who have fond memories of this vibrant city, see what happened to the university, to their dormer apartment, to the streets they used to walk on, they turn. From that day on, Russia has not a single friend in Ukraine left, and probably not many across the world either. So no matter how the war develops further, it has a priori failed at its stated purpose of converting Ukraine to be more Russia-friendly, and it didn't take them more than a couple of days to make that crucial mistake. Another side effect is brain drain. Listen carefully to this, please. Another side effect is brain drain. Tens of thousands of educated professionals are fleeing Russia, starting with people of engineering, tech, finance, and creative professions. These are the people that the country requires to build up a new post-sanction economy if it hopes to survive, and they are gone. If not yet physically, then they're preparing to leave Russia. Some of them harbored suspicions about the regime for a while, and this was the last straw. They're all well-connected enough to see what's going on. on. 
Some have studied in Ukraine and some have friends that did or friends and family members who are Ukrainian. I believe potentially most Russians have at least a minor personal connection to Ukraine. There's over 10 million Ukrainian families in Russia alone, and each of them has dozens of friends, colleagues, and acquaintances. So that's from Sienna Gares on a site in the Baltic states that you're normally not going to see or hear here in the United States, and I thought I would share it with you on the Michael Savage podcast. More to come. Home of Borders, Language, Culture, The Savage Nation. Now, welcome to this part of the Michael Savage podcast. Look, this week, the media was pushing Supreme Court nominee Katanji Brown-Jackson, making her into some kind of rock star. Listen to me. She seems like a very nice person that you'd like as a neighbor, but she really is not a rock star. Well, unless she is a rock star, because most of them are dumb. And this one is not smart. I'm sorry. She is not smart. She couldn't answer simple questions about her background involving her rulings on child pornographers. What critical race theory is? She may believe she never heard of it. She couldn't even define what a woman is. I'm asking you, do you actually think this woman is fit to be on the Supreme Court? What an embarrassment for a president to say I'm picking a woman who is going to be a black female. Well, if that's the criterion, uh, why don't you select me to be on the NFL? I'd be glad to play football and get crushed. I was recently on Newsmax TV where I did a segment that perfectly sums all of this up. Why don't you tell me what you think of it? Because here it is. Joining me now is the host of the Michael Savage Show podcast. Our good friend, Dr. Michael Savage is here. Dr. Savage, what did you make of her performance today? Thanks for having me, Grant. First of all, she seems like a kind hearted person, the kind of person you would want as a neighbor. And it's important to see the positive in people before we go into the negative. She is replacing the most radical left-wing ACLU justice uh, known to mankind, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who wreaked havoc on police, the family, schools, crime for decades. Now, this young woman looks harmless, nice person, but in fact, to me, by her rulings, and we looked into the child pornography rulings and others, she is just as dangerous, if not more so, than Maxine Waters, Nancy Pelosi, Sheila Jackson Lee, and the squad combined. Moreover, nothing distinguishes her in her rulings and sparse writings. She is not in the top category of intellects that we have seen on the Supreme Court. She is not an Oliver Wendell Holmes, a Louis Brandeis, an Earl Warren. By the way, I'm mentioning liberals here, incidentally. But they were giants intellectually who could move audiences with their rhetoric and their language and their findings. We need someone who can elevate the court not make it sound as though it's just a municipal night court somewhere fixing traffic tickets. You know, Justice Breyer has this demeanor, too. Ultimately, she'll take over for um, if she's confirmed here. I'm from Texas. When people tell me, bless your heart, I duck. Right. Sometimes the nicest people you got to look out for here a little bit. It may all be by design. Let me play you this clip. Uh, between her on critical race theory and Ted Cruz. Oh, yeah. It was a, it was a good one. It was Watch great. this. It was great stuff. Yeah. Is critical race theory taught in schools? Is it taught kindergarten through 12th? S- Senator, I don't 
No, I don't think so. I believe it's an academic theory that's at the law school level. You disclose that you are similarly on a board, specifically the board of trustees for the Georgetown Day School. When you just testified a minute ago that you didn't know if critical race theory was taught in K through 12, I will confess, I, I find that statement a little hard to reconcile uh, with the public record, because if you look at the Georgetown Day School's curriculum, it is filled and overflowing with critical race theory. Yeah. So does she really not know, Dr. Savage? She, she's on the board of that day school. If she doesn't know, she shouldn't be on the board of the day school that her own children go to. But the issue is, and we have very little time. I know that, Grant, and you have a great show here. When I looked up her record on sex offenses, I was very worried about this very nice uh, young lady. Because she said some child pornography offenders, I have to quote this now, I don't want to get it wrong, were less serious offenders, even though they were child pornography users, because they engaged in child pornography just to see if they could do so as to be part of a group and to test their skills in using the technology. I couldn't believe what I was looking at. She wrote that. There's more. She is soft on child pornography, just like Ruth Bader Ginsburg. This is exactly a repeat of history all over again, but even worse because she doesn't have an independent mind. She's malleable, and she's just basically mm -hmm. parroting what the far left wants her to say. They can do a lot better than her. They can find African-American women who are liberals, who are far more literate, far more knowledgeable, and far more oriented towards America's values. That's all I have to say on this issue. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot more. I, I, be I believe she actually has been groomed for a long time to take this oh, position. Yeah. Uh, for all the reasons you spelled out there, Dr. Michael Savage, as always, it's great having you on the program. Thank you. Thanks, Grant. A pleasure. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and learned something from it. We have about 400 other episodes available for you to listen to absolutely free. You can go back into our vast library of podcasts and listen to any one of them at any time. And remember this, if you want to listen to my podcast ad-free, sign up for the Savage Premium Membership and get access to ad-free podcasts as well as some premium content from our Savage Archives. How do you sign up for those ad-free podcasts? Please visit michaelsavage.com for a link. Again, thank you for your listenership. This is Michael Savage.